need to change as a, as a, as a group because if my kids want to grow up and become part of the industry that I love, it needs to change because at the moment I don't like the way that it is. I don't like them winding up into service, getting kicked in the shins because someone dropped a pan through service or, you know, burnt and hit and yelled and screamed at. And don't get me wrong, I've been guilty of all that in the past. You know, I've been a right asshole to people before. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. When the state governments closed their borders, the impact weighed heavy on the restaurant and tourism sectors. But what of the residents that lived in one state but worked just over the border in another state, with strict quarantine preventing daily border crossings? What happened to those that still need to make a living? Cameron Matthews is the executive chef of Spices Hunter Valley. Cameron, how are you going? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. You're uh, in the Hunter Valley working and you haven't seen your family since the borders closed. What's, what's this period of like with the family in another state uh, during a pandemic? Yes, really tough. I mean, I've been down here in the Hunter for, for nearly two years now working for Spices and I've kind of been almost FIFO, the FIFO equivalent. So I've been sort of coming back every, every second weekend um, and spending time with the family, which is which has been really good. Um, but since lockdown, not being able to get back at all, uh, I, I managed to get back just before the borders closed, and then driving back over the border, it really hit me that it was actually felt like a jail sentence almost. Um, you know, committing to something for an indeterminate time to uh, not be able to see your family was was really quite hard. What period of time are we talking about here? Was there would have been a time that the um, restaurant that you work at uh, with spices. Uh, was closed down. How, how long has it been since you've been able uh, the, on the other side of the border? Yeah, so probably with closed down, we closed down for, for seven weeks, seven or eight weeks, um, which probably made it harder because I actually went home for that time. Um, you know, like everybody else, started some house renovations and homeschooled the kids. And it was the longest time I've, I've had, uh, you know, in, in 29 years, 30 years, something like that, that, that I've, you know, I've just always always been in a kitchen and just worked and worked and worked. Um the longest time I've ever spent at home was 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 the COVID period, and, and you know I'm one of those people that sort of come out of it going, "That was fantastic! Like, wow, what a what a actual time to breathe!" Um, you know, in, in that sense. But from a hospitality sense, it it sucked. Um, so we did that, and then the choice was to either come back down to the Hunter Valley or stay in Queensland and, I guess, be unemployed. You know, um, my thing was I've been with a group for. Like I said, sort of 10, 11 years, just over 11 years I've been with Spices. Um, so you feel that kind of loyalty to, to help get through, you know, what is a, 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 you know, one of the worst experiences that, that any of us have had in our lifetimes when it comes from hospitality. So that was the choice to, to come back down. It wasn't necessarily job-driven, I suppose. It was more loyalty-driven than anything else um, to come down and use what I know to help try and get through the through the bad period. So it's been uh, two and a half, three months since I've sort of been home. Um, you know, seeing, seeing your kids via Zoom doesn't really work. Yeah. You mentioned that crossing the border, coming back to go to the Hunter Valley, it sort of really hit you. Has it, has it been tough this period of time, let alone the pandemic, being so far from close one, close loved ones? Look, I think it's always hard when you're away from, from family, you know. Um, for me, my family is, is that, that unit is, is really important. Um, and, you know, it, it was... 
I only originally come down here for two weeks. Um, I started off with two weeks and then went to two months and that went to, you know, six months and then it went to 12 months and now it's, you know, two and a half years. Um, so I've, I've never really, um, I've not, not committed, but, uh, but I've never, it's never been a place where I was going to come and live and bring the family. You know, we're, we're, we're super um, happy on the Sunshine Coast and I love living on the Sunshine Coast. Um, sort of where I want the kids to grow up. They're in a great school. There's all those kind of connections. So, yeah, to to come down and come back again, um, and to make that decision, it was quite easy at the time. You know, it was well, this is what I need to do, and I guess kind of a case of, of man up, and you know, this is what I'm going to go and do. But then once I got to that kind of cool and gallery area, driving down, I, I did have to pull off the side of the road and take a couple of deep breaths. To be honest, it was um, it was quite intense. Actually, just crossing the crossing the border was was quite intense. And once I got across, it was like. You know, the feeling of, oh, shit, what have I done, um, I guess, in a, in a sense. Pandemic aside, you were working, you know, in the Hunter Valley, which is thousands of kilometres away from the Sunshine Coast. What, what was that like just generally uh, trying to manage that time of uh, going back and forth? Yeah, so for, for me as a, as a chef of, of so long, um, you know, I was doing 10 days on, four days off, so I was home every second weekend. So it was actually quite um, quite a nice lifestyle in a way because I had that four days at home and, and two of them were weekend days, which is a little bit unusual for anybody in hospitality, I think. Um, so it was really it was really working. The travel was was tough, obviously, with working the hours that we generally work in hospitality. I live on site here as well, so I do I do duty phone at night and I'm kind of the, the go-to person when everyone else is at home in bed if something happens. Um, so to, to do that and, you know, work your triple or your double or, you know, just your straight shift in parenthesis, that's usually the same as doing a triple anyway, um, you know, and then, and then run to the airport and jump on an aeroplane and fly home. It's only an hour flight, but it was taking sort of five hours to get home. So it was starting to take its toll. I'd have to say is, you know, it's, um, it's tough just not, not having that, that, um, daily contact i guess and and i think i took it for granted when i first come down that that you know here's your toast kind of an interaction um it's hugely important i think just to keep you grounded and, and so you know where where you actually are in in your world and, and in your uh in your in your life i guess spices isn't just a restaurant and as you said you sort of the night watchman in a way uh, what was the impact of the lockdown for you guys initially you did you mentioned that you went home but what was the ramifications for staff and for the venue so we um like everybody else we were watching it really quite uh, quite closely and we originally thought because we're accommodation as well it looked like we were we were going to keep accommodation okay and then as different different uh different levels of lockdown come into effect you know occupancy went from 70 percent to 50 percent to 35 percent to you know, three percent, and it was like, okay, well, this has become obvious. We need to, uh, we need to change this. Um, I've got a couple of um, people on visas here, which we we did our best to try and look after because of the the JobKeeper thing. Um, you know, I had a guy that had just started with me three weeks before, but we we waited for him for for a long time to come and join the team, who's from from the UK. Um, so my my concern was about yeah, really about the about the people, probably more so than the company at the time. Um, we tried the the takeaway um, route, which we were really slow. Uh, it's probably the, the biggest mistake that I made. We we didn't uh, react fast enough to um, to the pandemic, and we didn't put our thinking caps on well enough. I don't I don't believe in hindsight. Um, 
where we're located, we're a little ways from from town, and that the takeaway was probably not the not the best idea to do. But um, it was just clutching at straws, I guess, like everybody. But the the effect on the on the team has been um, yeah really quite hard. I think the um, coming back and and we've now been reopened for like I said sort of two and a half three months, um, and it's been it's been really busy. We've we've reopened and we've been super busy. Um, but the team has only just started to kind of wrap their heads around. I think being back, it's been it's been super hard trying to inspire them to to be back and be cooking food again. Um, in with the changes that we've had to make, you know, around around uh, guest numbers and, and kitchen structure as well. So, um, yeah, that that effect. I think that'll be ongoing as well. Just watching the, the I guess, the mental health of, of the kitchen team is is one of my biggest concerns. You mentioned some of the changes that you had to implement. What what were they, and how is the offering different to before the pandemic? So I look after two restaurants here. We're, we're, we've got two restaurants about ten minutes apart. Um, One's changed quite a bit from from fine dining um, with five or six chefs in the in the brigade to now uh, three, um, and just serving really good, solid bistro food is what I'd call it. A um, bit more sort of home style, home cooked. Uh, and then for for Eremo here, we've we run with three chefs now every night where we were five or six, and we do um, set covers so. Basically Monday to Thursday we're sixty covers, and then Friday Saturday uh, Friday Saturday we're, we're eighty covers um, plus other things on top of that. So, um, it, you know, it, it's it's certainly changed um, what we were doing because we, we were we're a hundred seater um, and and conferencing and, and events and you know all, all the other things around being being uh, accommodation and and a food outlet have, has all changed. So it's very restaurant based at the moment, but um, the food offering. Probably hasn't changed a huge amount here. Um, it, it has because of man hours. So we've we've started looking at, you know, what can we what can we purchase through a purveyor or someone's you know now here making their pasta our pasta for us rather than us making in house, um, which kind of kills me a little bit. I like you know a bit old school in that. I, I prefer to make it myself and have that control over it. But it's just uh, I think sign of the times when it comes to uh, to doing that, and it's about. Um, I guess for me, the acceptance of that's what it is has been the hardest part. Yeah, we, 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 we now cannot do that because of this rather than because we don't want to or, or whatever. You know, there's, there's sort of harsher restrictions on us at the moment from a, from a kitchen perspective. What do you think you could have done better during this period of time in hindsight? I think we could have been more, more reactive um, and stuck to our guns a little bit more, I think, as a, as a, uh, as a group. And I hope I'm not talking at a school, but... Um, I really think we, we, we should have stuck to our guns and said, this is what we're doing and we're going to do it super well and, and you know, this is what we're doing rather than trying to do something that we thought um, everyone kind of wanted. Um, because I don't, that's not anything we've ever done before. You know, I think uh, a good restaurant, you know, stands tall uh, all the time, not, not, not only when, it, when it's uh, winning awards or any of that sort of stuff. It should, I think that's probably probably to put it in, in better parts. We should have stood tall and said, this is what we're doing and, and been, been a bit more of a leader in, in what we're doing rather than a follower because um, I think we followed a bit too much. You mentioned uh, there was there will be some time before we're allowed big events and conventions and I know that's a um, big part of uh, what you guys offer. But the regions really have sort of opened up and 
a lot of people are traveling with the border closures in their own state. Have you noticed a lot more tourism and, and people uh, in regards to that? Yeah, so we've been, we've been really healthy when it comes to um, visitation and, and we've had a lot more people from, from New South Wales obviously staying with us. Probably the thing we've found is, is um, everybody seems to be a little angry um, and, and have, has all this pent-up frustration. And we're kind of putting it down to the fact that, you know, they were supposed to be in Aspen or Bali or, you know, Fiji or on their African um, safari tour or, you know, and they kind of have to come to the Hunter Valley because there's nowhere else to go. Um, and it's still a beautiful part of the world, but they, they don't get the swim-up pool bar and, you know, there's all those things. You can't ski, obviously, in the Hunter Valley. Um, so it seems like everyone's everyone's a bit shitty about that by the time they get here. Um, you know, so we've, we've had to put up with, with that a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think expectations sometimes are, are, are greater than, than what we can deliver because of the fact that they have been building something up for two years. It might have been the trip of the lifetime they had planned and they've gone, oh, well, we can't do that, so we'll go here instead. You know, and then all of a sudden we do what we do and, and we do it quite well. I think we do it quite well. Um, but their expectations are just blown out because it's not, you know, you don't get on an aeroplane to come here. I think that's the big difference. There is um, the chance that the borders will open up fully pretty soon. There's announcement the announcement that South Australia are open to New South Wales and also Queensland opening to some of New South Wales. What, what will that mean to you? As soon as uh, borders open, essentially, um, I'm actually going back to Queensland for good um, as soon as they reopen. So I've done, I've done my time down here. And this is a decision that obviously doesn't come lightly. But I... Um, I've spent a lot of time talking to, to younger chefs and, and people that I know, um, even around the festival, the festival kind of scene and all the rest of it, talking about, about mental health in kitchens and sustainability of, of us as chefs. Um, so I've been given an opportunity next year back in Queensland to, to do something that will be really uh, wrapped in, in that, uh, the ethics, I guess, uh, of, uh, and the innovation around, around change and sustainability of us so sustainability is that kind of dirty word at the moment you know where, where everyone throws it around and it's you know all about just not allowing people to have takeaway because you're using a plastic container but there's there's more to it in my way it comes down to to the mental health of of us as as chefs so um with that opportunity and with with covid hopefully in in the background or you know there it, it's really inspired me to uh to follow through 2016 i was actually awarded a, a churchill fellowship to go away and i had the opportunity to go and visit some amazing restaurants around the world um, to look at sustainability and that's where I probably i think it was the second day where i realized that it wasn't about any anything about sustainability it was about us looking after ourselves and everything else stems from that um, sort of become a, a bigger obviously topic these days but it's time for i feel like it's time for me to go back and I guess make my mark and stand tall. You know, we didn't when it, when COVID first hit with everything we did, but now it's time to, to stand tall, make a mark, and you know, say what I think and try and make a change to the industry that I love. So that's the that's the plan. So once the once the borders open, it's um it's get back there and get that all sort of started. A lot of people have said during this time that it's it's a chance to change some of the old habits and culture of hospitality and. There's no doubt that mental health has been a real issue during this time, but it's also an issue in the industry ongoing. What, what do you see as some of the issues issues with the culture of the hospitality sector that that could be addressed? Yeah, so I think I think 
the whole COVID experience is a really good time to reset. And, and I'm really happy with the, the conversations, you know, and, and, you know, listening through the podcast that, that you've done yourself. You know, there's been, there's been great conversation around, around stopping, taking a big deep breath as a collective and then reassessing and moving forward, um, I believe. And, and there's been talk about, about this, but I've, I've been a big exponent of it for, for years now that a hospitality business needs to be multidimensional. You can't just run a, a straight-up restaurant anymore. You need more than just that. You need to you need to be able to diversify and have other arms to your, to your business because it's quite dangerous. I think from a from a mental health point of view, we need to um, I guess have confidence in our in our own ability to draw guests on you know a Saturday night and be closed on a Sunday so we can have family time um, and give ourselves that that time that's actually sociable. You know. I think as as chefs and as a as a group of or a collective of of people, not necessarily just chefs, just hospo in general, um, we have that laugh and a joke about being antisocial and and going, yeah, that's cool. You know, I kind of, I'm forever saying I generally hate people. You know, restaurants would be fantastic if it wasn't for the guests, but we wouldn't last long. Um, but you know, to to actually give ourselves time to maybe break that down and and you know, watch our kids play play sport or play sport ourselves and. It could create longevity in within the actual industry, as you know. Anyway, so I've always in, in, um, encouraged anybody within within the restaurants that I've worked in to you know pick a night when they want a night off and and then go and play a sport or stay engaged with, I guess, stay engaged with life. You know, it's it's too easy to go the other way and life reengages all the, you know, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll of of hospo. Um, but to, to actually keep one foot in both camps potentially, you know, is, is probably a better thing. Probably two feet in the in the in the family life once you once you're a bit older. Um, you know, I've been old school. I've, I've I've worked in those restaurants where it's you know you you sixteen seventeen hours a day, six days a week, and you know you you party all night and all the rest of it. Um, but it doesn't. I'm kind, I'm kind of one of the lucky ones too. I consider myself one of the lucky ones in that I'm still doing the job that I love, and I didn't get jack of it and toss it in. So for me, that that change I think will be really good. I think there'll be a lot more restaurants that um, don't open the stupid hours. You know, smaller teams, more specific hours. You know what? If you want us, we're here. Come and get us. Otherwise, you obviously don't want us. Um, you know, I think that'll drive a lot of other changes as well. I've always said that, you know, we need to put our minds, you know, we, we have so much creativity as hospitality and we, we put all this effort into creating the best experience for our, for our guests and, you know, we, we focus on this is what we're going to do or we're going to use this plate and this piece of cutlery and this ingredient and we're going to serve it in this way and tell this story. We never turn any of that creativity back onto ourselves and go, you know what, we're going to, I don't know, get everyone a water bottle and everyone's going to drink a water every hour, kind of, you know, or whatever it happens to be. You know, every kitchen's so different that it's really hard to pinpoint any one thing. But I think the conversation around making change, and it's not it's not necessarily wholesale change, it's not massive change. You know, um, everyone still wants to, to push on, he says in parenthesis, I hate that as a term, but, you know, to push on, to work hard, to, to be creative, to do what we love, but... I think there's better ways of doing it and, and it's not necessarily always a big change it's it's about you know for me it's sitting around a table and, and eating a, a staff meal or a family meal whatever you want to call it rather than sitting in a rubbish area on a milk crate eating out of a takeaway container you know that's one of the biggest changes i think we can do for ourselves is have respect for ourselves and have respect for the for the food that we're actually serving and give ourselves time to actually eat it and and 
you know, um, be more, I guess, high performance through actually getting some sunshine, exercise, decent diet, and you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, actually, through my church or fellowship, I, I wrote a, a page on called it the chicken, the chef, and cognitive dissonance, which was inspired by a um, a stagiaire I worked with uh, in San Francisco, and he was studying psychology at uh, Berkeley University. And he was talking about cognitive dissonance. So basically, the best example to a to a cook like myself was, you know, doctors who smoke. They know they shouldn't, but they still do. And I kind of throughout throughout my travels, then I started thinking about, you know, we're all chasing this this amazing ingredient. We're after, you know, the 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 most relaxed chicken in the world that's grown up on on astroturf and been fed gold plated chicken feed and drunk avian and all the rest of it, you know, and had this amazing life because that's what we want to serve to our guests. But then we We'll, you know, smash down forty-seven coffees a day, eat the stale heels of bread on a on a milk crate, sit in a rubbish area. It's sort of, you know, and then when you go inside, you're in, you're in like the between the four walls of tiles under under, you know, false light. Um, we all look like vampires most of the time. It doesn't, you know, if we were products, we wouldn't, we wouldn't, we'd go bugger off. I'm not using that crap. You know, like give me the good stuff. You know, it, there's a there's a big divide there. Um, Usually, when I tell cooks that, they get that as a as a comparison kind of right. You relate it back to a, a free range chicken, and we're, we're battery hen chefs, kind of. You know, like it doesn't make sense. You made a real name for yourself over the last ten or eleven years at Spices, and you've won many awards. But why did you become a chef? Yeah, I'm one of those lucky people that just always knew this is what I was going to do. It's um, why I've always always done it. You know, it's um, everything. I do is is related to to cooking and food and and uh, um, I like the, I like the the service I like I like uh, the the pleasing people I love the connection I love the conviviality food can can create um, I love the culture around food and I think culture is really important it brings um brings everybody together right like you can put um, a homeless person and the richest person in the world together at a dinner table and, and food will be the connector and it can bring people together that way. Um, and I think that's super important. And that for me is um, probably the driver. Um, yeah, so I've just, I've just always cooked and I've just, it's all I'll, all I'll ever do. Um, but having said that, I've only just recently start, discovered, I guess, myself as, as me, as Cameron Matthews, not as a, as, a, as a chef. People would say, well, you know, or talk to me and I'd go, well, I'm a chef, so it's okay. You know, like, it's, it's okay that I'm nearly dead and I'm still going to go to work. It's okay that when we opened here, I broke my leg. I actually fell over at work and totally screwed my knee up um, and didn't have a day off. It's just like, well, we've got a big place to work. We've, we've got a job to do. It doesn't matter that my leg's in, you know, dirty, great big uh, harness and it needs surgery and all the rest of it. Let's just get shit done, right? Um that's something that, that has probably probably driven me a little bit more. But um, yeah, it's it's just just that thing. There's an intrinsic thing I think inside of every good cook's heart that just it's just there, right? And you can't get rid of it. It's a bug. It's a drug. It's it's I don't know. There's all these words I could use to describe it, but um, it'll take about four hours of me waffling on. Um, yeah, I just love it, right? You said. You just said that you discovered yourself as Cameron Matthews rather than Chef Cameron Matthews. What was it that you discovered about yourself, and and how did that revelation happen? Yeah, I think it's about about actually having some self respect um, or respect for for yourself rather than self respect, and I think they're different things. 
um, you know, there's there's the whole yeah, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chef, which means that you know when you're walking behind someone in a supermarket, you screen behind. You you you're always in a hurry. You you know you have to cook. You know, make your own bloody sourdough at home. Um, <laughs> you know, all those things. Uh, yeah, bloody sourdough and COVID that drives me insane. Anyway, different story. Um, yeah, you know the the. I think it's about, about giving myself a bit of a break. Um, you know, I, I am getting a little bit older. I, I guess I am, um, you know, getting the sore hands and the sore back and all the whingy kind of stuff. And probably just sounds like a big excuse, but I think I realise that you know what, I'm I'm a human. I deserve to sit at a dinner table and eat my dinner. That's what I expect for all of my guests. I'm going to give my guests the best experience I possibly can. So I want that experience too. I don't want to be you're a chef, go out the back and eat your stuff out the back. You to be seen and not heard. Um, you know, I don't. I don't care that you've got, um, you know, glandular fever, Ross River fever, COVID, whatever. You still turn up to work. I don't care. You know, you, you, sorry, you, your wife's pregnant. Doesn't matter. I need your room. I've got a function. You can crash your car on the way to work. Awesome. There's a cab coming. He'll pick you up. You know, in you come. Sorry, you just cut yourself. Yeah. Well, there's a tea towel there, mate. Grab some cling film. Off we go. You know, how bad is it? Yeah, I'll take you to hospital after service. You know, that, that kind of a thing. I think that's 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 what I mean by. Hang on. There's no other job in the world that if I put a knife through my hand, I'm going to continue working. You know, it, it's, and I still do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not that much of an evangelist, right? Um, I still do it. Hopefully, I don't put knives through my hand too often these days. But um, you know, I still, I still push myself through this stupidity. But I know I shouldn't do it now. Whereas before, it was just well, that's what I do. I'm a chef. Um, and that's the delineation between it's just what I do. I'm a chef. Well. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this because I'm actually a human being. Um, but you know what? I still like to be a chef, so I'll just do it anyway. It's, it's now more of a choice rather than a, 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 a cognitive thought. Tell us about your food and uh, dish creation. How would you describe your cooking? And is there a dish that you just really love cooking? I have to be careful around this answer because usually when I when I give people my answer to questions similar to this, I, I just sound like a dirty great big tosser. Um, <laughs> I love... I love food that's just just connected and cooked with love, care, and attention to detail. You know, love, care, and attention to detail. I, you know, anyone that's worked with me in the kitchen will go, "Oh, here he goes again." Um, it's you know where we are at, at Aromo here. We're, we're simple Italian food, super simple. The long apron, um, probably where I made a bit more of a name for myself with, with you know where we won all the awards and whatnot was was kind of fine dining, but it just had a connect. It had had this. Um, it had story. It had heart, um, and that's what I love. I'm not. I say I'm not formally trained. I, I did my apprenticeship with Italians, um, you know, and it was just just cook it. If it tastes good, we'll serve it, you know. And that's kind of, um, I guess, my ethos. And if you can put a good story behind it, if you, if you know that, um, you know, that pig grew up and 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 this pig got out one day and ate all the corn in the guy's garden that grew the pig. Well serve it with some corn because that's a cool story right that's the connect it's it's not because it, pork and corn go really well together it's just it's just because what you should do because it works um you know my dish creation sometimes people look at me and go sorry you, what are you doing like like that doesn't make sense you know like, like um if you're going to serve snails it's a no-brainer to serve it with either carrot or lettuce because that's kind of what they eat right like it's it, it kind of just makes sense um you know, rabbits go with greens because rabbits eat green food. You know, there's there's all that really basic, simplistic kind of um, 
I guess, thought process that, that's really quite deep and, and ethereal um, in, in my mind. I think when people will see a dish that I've, I've created, and I like to think when the dishes I did at, at the Long Apron, um, I kind of, uh, I guess, was was proud of myself when there was a row of dishes, you know, on, in a lineup somewhere and people could pick Long Apron dish and go, that's from the Long Apron. So uniqueness of dish um, is quite important to me and, and not copying anybody. And if I do, paying homage to, you know, there's not much we do these days that's, that's not been done before. There's variations of, but I love being able to go, this is my version of, you know, a dish that I ate at, ate at, at Mark when Mark Best was at the top of his game and it just blew my absolute skirt up and, and, I needed to I needed to cook this again because I was just thinking about it the other day and it gave me goosebumps, um, you know. So I just want I just want I don't know. I guess the the best compliment is for people to come up and say you know like fuck that's tasty. I guess that's that's the best thing, right? Like it's not about oh wow that looks amazing. You know what sort of tweezers do you use? Um, it's about it's delicious. It's just can I have another play of that, please? You know like that's that's what I want people to say. So that's what drives the the creation of a dish. When you head back to Queensland, when the borders are open, what will you miss about the Hunter Valley and spices? Uh, the people, definitely the people that I work with. Um, you know, I, I think anybody in, in hospitality will, will agree that uh, you, you go through so much as a, as a team and you form this camaraderie that it just lasts forever. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a strong bond, I guess. And when, whenever I've left anywhere, um, it's been hard to... Um, because I'm not a, a people person, I'm, I'm pretty bad at, uh, at staying in touch with people. So I, I kind of know that, um, sort of accepted that. But um, being in the kitchen all day, every day with the, with the same people, you, you do, you get to know them um, quite intimately. I've got two apprentices with me here that have been with me two years, um, a guy and a girl, and we started at the same time. Uh, I've got one in each restaurant now because they started dating, so I had to separate them because, you know, things get out of control. But um they're now pregnant and they're gonna they're gonna have their first child so i'll, I'll miss sort of seeing that kind of a thing because that's kind of cool right it doesn't happen very often in, it happens a lot in kitchens but it, it actually follows through and have the baby doesn't happen all that much um, <laughs> um i won't say that it doesn't happen all that often um yeah you know i just think that's that's quite cool and to see to see them come from from school basically you know um uh, the the young uh, young apprentice who's now pregnant she she came to me and was like I want I want to come and do an apprenticeship I was like we well, have to stay at school and do year eleven no but I want to come now mum and dad are okay we spoke to her mum her mum and dad and was like no I wanted to stay and do year eleven just in case right like because she just needs to finish and do year eleven that's that's one of my well, no but she wants to come and do it now no but let's just you know my my dad thing was kicking in I would want my kids to finish I think she had two months left to go to do year eleven I think she was just trying to get out of exams. Um, it's like if you want an apprenticeship here, this is what you've got to go and do. So you go and do year 11, you know, score straight A's or you don't get your apprenticeship. Um, she didn't do that, but she still got her apprenticeship. But, um, you know, that kind of a story and that kind of a, you know, the intimacy of, of knowing people, I guess, um, that you work with is what I always miss, no matter where you go. Um, you know, I still miss... I love catching up with Chris Hagen, who's now the head chef of the Long Apron, who's who's was my... Uh, my sous chef for four years, I think, while we're there. So we're still really good mates. And, you know, I only live a, a kilometre from the Long Apron um, up in Montville. So, you know, to be able to go back there is really nice. But you walk in and, and it's it feels like home still. Um, and I think that's amazing. So 
yeah, definitely the people. It's been a tough period of time for so many people and your circumstances are just a little bit left of centre to most. Um, what's this period of time been like for you? Has it changed you? I think it's made me more determined, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I've i always wanted to, um, I guess, change the world. And I've been talking about changing the world, changing my world and then changing other people's world for a a good couple of years now and, you know, um, if it, when, when I was at the Long Apron, it's probably, probably a bit of a deeper story, but when I was at the Long Apron, um, you know, we, we were on the in the top 50 and we're on the top 100 and we'll this and that and the other thing and, you know, we did all right. We were, we were, we were not a bad little restaurant and um, I think it was just after the Good Food Guide came out and we were half a point off three hats, you know, we were 17 and a half, which is pretty unheard of for a little... I guess a pissant little restaurant in country Queensland, right? Um, but everything everything was shit, and and you know that was my, my biggest battle with with mental health. That was everything was shit. Didn't matter. It was like wasn't the fact that we got two hats or we were seven and a half. It was the fact that why the hell didn't we get our uh, where's, where's the other you know, half a point? Everyone's got a congratulations. Yeah, but it was shit, right? Um, we'd win awards. Be like, yeah, but we didn't we didn't get this. We didn't get that because the drive overtook. So. Um, I ended up. I, I I left home. I left my family and my, my three young kids. Um, you know, behind lived out at home for six weeks. Um, lucky for me, I I found my thing that that brought me back, which was which was good. But I can see why a lot of people don't come back or 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 worse, go off down a different path. Um, so I think that time then set me off on this path of of change and of really looking at the industry and. And going, we need to change as a, as a as a group because if my kids want to grow up and become, you know, part of the industry that I love, it needs to change because at the moment I don't like the way that it is. I don't like them lining up at the end of service getting kicked in the shins because someone dropped a pan through service or, you know, burnt and hit and yelled and screamed at. And don't get me wrong, I've been guilty of all that in the past. You know, I've been a, a right asshole to people before. Um, you know, in the not too not too distant distant past. Um, but to, I guess, realise that and then be given the opportunities I've been given through through church or fellowships and just thinking about things. And I guess I've, I've, I'm, I'm pretty determined to to do that. But I think what what the COVID experience has done for me is really um, solidified what I want to do now um, in, that, in that fact that it was kind of like, oh, that's really good to go and do that, but you know, I've still got to do this and earn a crust for the family, and you know, responsibility, responsibility, hide behind something else because it's um, a little bit confronting, right? To to go and make wholesale change or to, or to stand alone and go, you know what? I, I think we should make change. Um, but then there's been little pointers. Um, you know, I I was lucky enough to be asked along and, and guest speak at, at White Jacket Effect when it was held in Noosa, which was which was really cool and all these little bits and pieces that, that have, have all pointed me in this one direction and then and then an opportunity come along that sort of dropped in my lap by three people sitting down having a meeting and talking about what they were wanting to do within this particular um, business and two of them went, oh, you know what, I know a guy and the other guy went, well, I know a guy too, what's his name? Well, his name is, and they both said my name at the same time. Um, so it's, it's just time to, you know, make that change, take that step. Um, be in charge of that myself and and drive it to an agenda that that that, um, that I want rather than trying to work in a group of people because um, the agenda always gets a little bit lost. Um, so I guess it's 
COVID's made me grow a pair um, in a way. You know, it's um, it's time. Like I said, you know, I've been doing it a long time and saying I'm going to do something for myself and for the industry for a long time and haven't really put my money where my mouth is yet. Um, I think I've, I've helped make, make small changes but not, not bigger changes. So now it's time to... Uh, to stand up and be counted, so that's what that's what my time, my my, you know, twenty twenty has has put me um, in a precarious position <laughs> of wanting to go out on my own and, and change the world. Um, you know, not a big not a big dream at all, uh, but that's what I'm going to do. So, um, you know, well, it's looking more and more like the borders are going to open, and you'll be heading home to Queensland soon and seeing the family. How are you going to celebrate that moment? Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest. Um, and, and to be honest, I don't know because of the fact that I've sort of been trying not to think about it. Um, I think if being away from them is a hell of a lot easier for me because it's so busy um, than what it is for them. Uh, you know, we, just with school and, and my wife's on the merry-go-round of, of sport and school and, you know, um, music and netball and all the rest of it. So she's finding it a lot harder than what I am. Um as far as getting back, I've actually got a sister-in-law's wedding in a couple of weeks, so it'd be, be lovely to be able to get back to that. It's in Stanthorpe, so it's you know only only forty-five minutes over the border anyway. Um, but to get back, I, I don't know. I, I kind of I'd, I'd love to be back for Christmas. It's probably the biggest thing, you know, to be back and actually go. You know what? I'm here for Christmas for the first time in in my kids' lives, where um, I haven't actually been working you know, around Christmas or on Christmas. So there's been times when I haven't necessarily worked on Christmas Day, but I've always been involved in restaurants on Christmas Day, which means you're kind of working. Even if you're home or you're at the restaurant with your family, you're working. Um, so it'd be nice to give them the time. Yeah, I guess that's it, right? I'd, I'd celebrate that by giving them all of me and all of my time for as much as I possibly can before I actually get stuck into to doing what I'm going to do up there. So... Um, it's about time and that's what what covid's kind of taught me as well it's it's about giving time um so that was a celebration when i went home was you know when we closed down was that being given that time to actually stop and breathe and and connect because dad's actually home and he's home and he's here um rather than dad's at work he'll be home later you know you'd better do that because dad'll be home (laughs) um you know, so hopefully, hopefully we, we we celebrate that by, I don't know, you know, sitting on the couch, watching a movie, eating hamburgers. It sounds fantastic, right? Like because I haven't done it for so so long. You know, um, something really basic and simple. And that's what I mean, right? The, the the simple creature comforts almost of life is is what we kind of deny ourselves sometimes, and that's what I'm feeling. That's what I'm craving at the moment. Is just those simple things that most people seem to do day in day out. Um, that's how we'll celebrate hopefully well Cameron I hope it happens for you really soon you're a bloody inspiration mate and uh, we've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today keep in touch and we'll talk again soon will do thank you so much for having me appreciate it this is the Deep in the Weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.